an instrument and clap him under the heavens and bless his holy righteous <laughs> worthy name today and every day. God, we love you. We praise you. It was that as David began to celebrate the great victories of God, the word said that he danced unashamedly before him in his presence and that he worshiped him with all of his heart. He, he didn't mind being identified as a king and also being identified uh, as a humble servant. And as he danced before the Lord, it was Michal, the, the daughter of Saul, that began to mock him and, and belittle him. Didn't you make a fool of yourself today? in the presence of all Israel. But, but David wasn't concerned about what others had to say or, or what others thought. He just knew that he had made up his mind that he would dance under the anointing, that he would worship under the anointing, that he would praise a God who is worthy at all times and all seasons every day and in every way. He would magnify. It's a choice to praise him. It's a choice to lay down and to magnify the God who has delivered you. I, I love him. Do you love him with all of your heart today? Hey, praise the mighty name of the one who is worthy. Lift your hands and praise him. Lift your voice right now. Make your voice an instrument and worship him. Call him by name. Worship him as Jehovah Jireh. He is the one who provides. Worship him today if you know him as Jehovah Rapha. He is the great healer and the need neither. Praise. The name of the Lord forever. Anyone in this house, you ever felt like that just somehow someone had failed you? And as we turn the mirror and we look inward, have we ever felt like we failed miserably to the point that we wondered if we would ever recover, if we would ever bounce back, if we would ever get one more shot to make this thing right? with God. I believe that God is able to plant within us a fire in spite of our failure. That he renews and restores and makes whole. And if this is for one young man, one young lady, one senior in the house today that you have carried something <laughs> for so long you believe that God will never alleviate the pain and the hurt and the disappointment? Not that you have in someone else, but maybe that you have inside of you. And he said, just to remind my people today that there is still a fire inside your failure that God loves you and he cares. Go with me to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. Verse 4 said, but when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Please remember, this is after the crucifixion, the resurrection. Jesus stands on the shore and the disciples did not know that it was Jesus, someone you've walked with for three and a half years. You couldn't have been any closer than some of those disciples were to Jesus. Thomas, who doubted, put his hand inside the wounds of his flesh. 
but they did not know that it was Jesus. We skip over to verse 9, and you know the story well. They're fishing. Uh, they are in a boat. They are making their way towards shore. It has been an empty night, and uh, they're trying to connect with Jesus, connect with whoever it is that's not where they are. And then as soon as they had come to land, they saw, and this is very important, a, a charcoal fire. Fire not built out of wood, but built out of charcoal. And fish laid on it, and there was bread. And then as they begin to recognize who and what he is, Jesus turns his attention to Peter. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you really love me? <laughs> and it, it tore at Peter's heart. He was grieved and he said, and he said to him the third time, do you, do you really love me? God, I pray today that that penetrating question would burn within us. And that when we can't ask ourselves any other question, and God, we can't pursue any other reality, that, that God, when it's all said and done, that we, we can confess with all of our heart, so find the strength. That I love you. God, may you never have to ask that question to me again. Do I, do I love you? Do I love you? And that this would be the day when a fire could be rebuilt within the heart of someone who perhaps feels like they have failed you terribly. And God, may we remind them and may you remind them through the power of your spirit that you will build that fire again. You will restore and you will make whole because you love us that much. Even when we don't, it doesn't seem like we love you as we should. You love us and you care. Amen. Would you turn to your neighbor and just tell them today, God really loves you. He really cares. You may be. On October the 2nd, 2006, that date wouldn't mean much to you. unless it happened to you. And it was on that date in 2006 when Matt Swatzel headed home from his job as a firefighter and paramedic in Decula, Georgia. He said, I was literally three or four seconds in the car and that's the time it took to nod off and cross the center line and to meet the other car head on. He remembered inside the other vehicle was a, a young mother by the name of June Fitzgerald. She was in that vehicle. She was pregnant with another child and, and her 19-month-old daughter, Faith, was there and, and Faith would survive, but June would not. He said, I can still see it. I, I can smell it. 14 or 15 years later, the noise, the horrendous glass breaking. Swatzel said that for, for two years he would reap, weep uncontrollably and the crash would forever bind the lives of Swatzel, then only a 20-year-old rookie firefighter. 
And another man that was engaged in service, the service of the people, a, a pastor by the name of Eric Fitzgerald. And that on one particular day as Matt walked out of the store with a card in his hand that he was going to send to that pastor and that broken father that uh, was there that he saw that pastor and, and they met and they talked for three or four hours and God began to do a restorative work in his life. He said, I'm supposed to be the helper, the EMT and the paramedic and the fireman that helps those in tragic situations. And he said, here I am, and I caused what happened. Unbelievably, a bond would form, a friendship ensued, and Pastor Fitzgerald chose not to pursue charges. And Swatzel is now 36 years old, and Fitzgerald has remarried, and now their kids play together, and they spend the holidays together, and they serve the same God together. God is able to do the incredible, almost unbelievable and unfathomable in our lives. What happens when you're supposed to be the firefighter? When Summerton is supposed to be the firefighter, but we, when we think we control the fire, when you're the one saving lives, or the problem is that we want someone else to control our fire and to build our fire, and we seem to have no control over what happens when it comes to the fire. What happens when the firefighter fails? What about Peter, when you're the one defending Jesus and protecting Jesus, and cutting off ears for Jesus? I did it in love. Uh, <laughs> and then you disavow him and you deny him not once, not twice, but three times in and around the biggest fire episode of your life. When the fire that burns inside of you is suddenly cut off and misdirected or, or misappropriated. If you know anything about Peter at all, he was brash. He was bold. He was outspoken. Stop looking around. He spoke his mind whether it seemed like he had one or not. Man. Peter is the only one in this group that has thug validation. <laughs> Peter will cut you. He, uh, he has street instinct. And I know some of you may have a hard time with this, but Pete cusses sometimes. And, uh, uh, I think Pete's from the hood, maybe. Uh, Peter's the one that comes to church packing. And uh, hey, uh, y'all looking around again. Jesus is over here praying for Peter and, and others. He's healing. And Peter has one eye open. He's, he's the one that's checking out the scene, looking, looking around. And uh, uh, he's the one that tells people, hey, y'all need to back up a little. You know, Peter has street smarts. He is the religious firefighter. He said he would never deny him, and, and then he turns around and denies him 
three times. He, he refuses to let Jesus wash his feet. And Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you won't have any part of me. And he said, oh, I misspoke, Lord, not just my feet, but, but my hands and, and my head as well. And, uh, and uh, it was seen that he would forever hear the sound of that, that rooster crowing inside his mind for the rest of his life. And Peter will prove to us, David, that, that, that you can deny him in one fire and God love you enough to turn around and restore you in another. So it is now indeed the resurrection and yet still before Pentecost, before that fire will descend upon them. And so it is that the disciples are still following Peter. They're following the firefighter and right or wrong, restored or rejected, they are just following him blindly. Can I pause and give you a word of warning today? Watch who you follow. Watch who you're listening to. Watch who you're paying attention to because it is uh, that we need to understand that, that sometimes we follow the one and follow them where they are going and watch what they are doing and in reality they are fishing and failing all night long and nothing over and over again. This is eerily familiar to the disciples. Uh, they've been here before and uh, the same old result and some people would say well I like Peter I identify with Peter because he tells people off. I like it. Uh, I like his bad attitude. I can identify with that. But God said, I'm trying to tell you that they followed Peter and all they had was nothing. They listened to Peter in a misdirected moment and all they have, all they caught was nothing. It leads to nothing. Peter is the professional. He knows the rule book. Peter is the one who made the call and they caught nothing. I don't know about you, but I've been in some empty places in my life. I was in one this very week where all I felt like I had was nothing. I I couldn't fish my way out. I couldn't preach my way out. I couldn't <laughs> my way out. I couldn't cry my way out or fake my way out. All I had was nothing, but he knew where I was, what I had taken and what I had lost, that the firefighter had somehow lost control of his own fire. Some of you this morning would say, Pastor, we can identify with every one of those disciples because we've been with you on some Sunday mornings when all you had was nothing. And don't think I've not ever stepped off this stage and not ever walked back through those doors and hopefully hope to God that somehow some life has been touched because I didn't necessarily feel like I had a thing, yet I, I knew God was in control and God made a difference. I, I shared a, a little story just a couple of weeks ago. It just came to my mind. I spoke a, at, a, at a revival, a renewal in Tennessee years ago before Kelly and I were married and, and we had gone for a week and the pastor decided to extend 
it. And on the, the, the next to last night of the meeting, I felt just like that, that I was as flat. I didn't feel anything. I felt like I had failed. And there was one woman sitting in the back. She had not been there the entire week. She came to me after service down the center aisle. And she said, I had to tell you, she was weeping profusely. She said, listen, I've not been in church in a long time, but I had to have what God had to say tonight. And it helped change me. It helped make a difference in my life. We've all been through times and seasons where we felt like we had absolutely nothing, but God was sovereign and God is still working. We are in verse four and Jesus stands on the shore and the word says that the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. And the problem is he is close enough to see, but he is not close enough to know. How is it that we can enter his presence Sunday after Sunday and maybe never really know him? Some would have said, it's too dark. In 2023, it's a season of darkness in our nation. There's just so much darkness between me and him. I know that he's there, but I've let too much darkness get between myself and, 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 and him. And it is that we begin to understand, I know he's there, but there's so much darkness. And that darkness has caused this distance. So if somehow I can rectify the darkness, then I can reconcile the distance. If I had someone close this gap, if I can close this gap between myself and him, maybe I will see him clearly for the first time in a long time. And we don't realize that we've allowed the distance to create this darkness. We don't, we don't read, we don't pray. We're not making sure that we have that alone time with God. And so now because there is distance, there is darkness. He's always been there. I just stopped seeing him. He's still whipping devils in my desert. I just stopped seeing him. Peter could have said, I was there when he raised the 12-year-old daughter of Jairus and his wife. I was there when he put the doubters out and took the believers in. He's always, he's always been there. I was there. I just stopped seeing him. He's still been to Calvary. He still overcome death, hell, and the grave. He still put holy blood on a heavenly altar somewhere. I just stopped seeing him. But I just stopped by to encourage Lanita. I just stopped by today to encourage Joey, to encourage Dennis, to encourage you that when everything else is cloudy and the world is loud, I will still make myself 
known. They may be killing people in California and in Idaho and Iowa. They may be burning down buildings in the Ukraine. They may be telling third graders right next door in Mississippi that you can't wear Jesus loves me mask in the school. But God said, I want to re- you to know that I will identify myself. I will make myself known when the voices of the world are at their loudest and out of control. I am still in control and I will make myself known. Just, it was that David after the mix-up and the mess-up with Bathsheba and, and the murder of her husband that said, thy word have I hid in my heart. It was Jeremiah that said, his word is like a fire. Brother Eddie, shut up in my, in my bones. His, his word propels me, his word preserves me. It it was the the writer of Hebrews. Some believe it was Paul. For the word of God is alive (laughs) and powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow of the body. It judges the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Even when I can't see him, I can still hear his voice. If you've ever heard him when you couldn't see him, give him a clap of praise right now and bless his name. I believe this. God said, let me answer one question here and now for you. When everything else is cloudy and the world is loud, I will make myself known. If the pastor misses it on any given Sunday, if the band didn't play your song, God said, I will make myself known. If you've been raised in a pastor's home all your life and all you've heard is about the goodness of God, I'll make myself known. If you've been raised on the streets and not had a father or a mother and there's been no seemingly no advantage that was, uh, that was building for you and toward you in this life, God said, even now, I am making myself known. I am for you and I will speak to you in the darkness of your life. You will never be stuck on the side of nothing if you will position yourself to recognize his voice. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying sometimes we have to change sides. Sometimes we're playing on the wrong side. Sometimes we're listening to the wrong side. David, come here and help me. You say, I just can't feel him on this side. (laughs) Change sides. You know what I found? You don't have to change churches to change sides. 
Now, he might have changed zip codes. He may have went from Summerton to Dora. I don't know. I'm still learning. Sometimes we're sitting in the back, wherever we may be, in the, on the very last row and the very height of the balcony. I just don't feel anything. Change sides. Come downstairs. I can't feel. Change sides. Get in the choir like you're supposed to be in the choir. Do something for God. Stop just sitting and soaking and souring. Do something for God. Change sides. I don't feel anything. You're not giving anything. We fished all night and we've taken nothing. Jesus said, I can't hear him back there. Come up here. It's too loud up here. Go back there. I remember when Dad was serving in North Carolina, they were in the middle of a state conference and Olva Hagen was uh, one of the guest speakers and Randy and Rhonda Paris were doing youth work at the time. They had a, their daughter was little at the time and just about the time they finished eating, it was pressing toward the time of, of service and uh, Randy and Rhonda were mortified as their little girl looked up at Brother Hagen and said, it's about time you get your hind end on up there. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yes I do. Sometimes we just need a little bluntness and a little humor from God. Stop, just stop saying things that just don't make sense. If you want to be quiet, be quiet, but stop complaining about something you're not doing anything about. Stop fussing about something you're not even contributing to. Just be faithful to God. Let God speak to you in your nothingness. And God said, stop worrying about what I'm doing in their nothing, and I'll do something in your nothing. And besides, I want more of God, change sides. I want to be close to him, change sides. I used to know where it was to feel the anointing. Stop depending on someone else. Stop listening to everyone else in the boat and blaming everyone else in the boat and listen to God again. I can sense there's just more than change sides. They didn't change boats. There wasn't another boat out there. You can't change churches out there. There's not a church there. Sometimes you've got to start hearing the voice of God on your own again. Amen? And John recognized his voice. And John said, it is the Lord. I've been in the middle of nothing for so long, that, but I still recognize his voice. 
A lot of people are making a lot of noise in my life, but I can still hear his voice. A lot of others have fought for my attention, but I know that I've got to hear his voice. Amen. Others pull me toward nothing, but I hear it. It is the Lord. Give me some people in Southerton that recognize the voice of God. I have a question for you today. Do you still recognize his voice? Nick, is he still speaking to you today? Brandon, can you still recognize his voice today? Abby, Jimmy Porter, so many others. Can you recognize his voice? Let me burn this into your spirit. This is after Calvary. This is after the resurrection. This is after Peter has denied him. I didn't deserve it. I'm not worth it. I lost it all. But here he is right in the middle of my nothing. He came all the way out here. Why would he come to me when he's already paid the price, left the tomb, been accepted by the Father as the perfect sacrifice? Why would he come all the way out here in my nothing? I didn't even ask him to. He just showed up. There is a fire inside the heart of Jesus that burns every day to get to you when you don't even feel like you can get to him. There's a passion within him, Ryan, when you feel like you've lost your passion for all that is godly and righteous and holy. And uh, so Jesus is making his way to them. If he ever, am I speaking to anyone in this house, if he's ever walked into your nothing when you felt like you were at the very end of your rope and then he showed up. He showed up. If he's ever done that for you, if he's ever been there in the nick of time, would you lift your hands and would you lift your voice and would you praise him today that in your nothing, he still creates something. You know, somebody really needs to praise him. You know what it is to be in the depths. You know what it is to be. Larry Gatlin wrote a song years ago, there's a light at the end of the darkness. <laughs> it felt like for days, this one, I think God, God is really trying to get through to one person in this house today. One person, he's really trying to burn this into your the depths of who you are in your soul, that God is not finished with you yet. Can I get anybody in this house to shout, to praise him, to rejoice, to worship? When I... When I had stayed with it as long as I possibly thought I could. I had given up on everything and everyone else. 
And he showed up in my nothing. I felt like God quickened me this morning in my office. And he said, I am specifically speaking to a marriage, to some marriages that, that, that where you think and you feel like there's been nothing for a long time. God said, I am able to restore something where you think there is nothing. I think... I'm, I'm the kind of person, I know it doesn't happen the same way all the time, but I'm the kind of person I want something to happen. I, I'm the kind of person that I want to see a manifestation. I want to see God do the incredible and the unbelievable. I want to see people weep and rejoice and praise their way back to God and through to God. I, I want to see lives that have been broken, that have been broken for 26 years, for 33 years, uh, for 42 years, however long it may be, 50 years. I want to see people who have been broken suddenly realize unashamedly and unreservedly confess that when no one else could do it, after all that time, God did something that I cannot explain. Any other way, I can't explain it. But God did something. I found out when I don't have anything to offer, Ryan, when I don't have anything to give, that Jesus has this miraculous capacity just to show up with his own fire. He brings his own fire. He, he brings his own answer. He brings his own. Peter is falling all over himself. Now he realizes with John, it's the Lord. And he's falling all over himself to get to Jesus out of the boat falling into his presence. Sometimes, Miss Sarah, I don't know to do anything else but just to fall into his presence. Sometimes I don't know anything else to do but just to come into the darkness of this sanctuary and fall in this altar and say, God, I don't have an answer, but I need to hear from you. The disciples are dragging fish to Jesus. You know the story well, 153. That's a whole different message. So many thoughts. But we're in verse nine and Jesus has this charcoal fire with fish already cooking. And whether they brought fish or not, he is ready for them. And so when I can't bring anything to him, he always has something for me. And this miracle is just as incredible as the fish on the other side of the boat. They were everywhere fish were not, but Jesus wants them to know they will never go back to fishing again. I know, listen, I know there are times when everyone wants a fire out of me. Am I speaking to any men, any women today? When you have family members that have sucked you dry throughout your life, you have men and women in the church and out of the church. It seems like they're always wanting something out of you. They want a fire out of you. But not only do they want me to build my own fire and check my own fire and keep my own fire, they want me to build their fire for them. And I just happen to believe that Summerton is an area like many others where we have some men and women that still know how to build their own fire. They know how to touch the heart of God. They know how to get through. They know how to speak into his spirit as he speaks into them. They know how to communicate with God. They know how to hear from him and they're building what others Refuse to build. And uh, I, I've been there. But Jesus brings his own. He's a big God. 
and you can always see something that burns in him. I, I prayed this week, God, let somebody see the fire of Jesus Christ today. Let there be such an anointing in this house that whether the choir is good or not, whether the word, the preaching is good or not, whether the band or the drummer is good or not, that somehow when they walked through the doors, they felt the presence of a holy God and they declared within themselves, there is something burning here that will provide an answer for my life. They didn't sing what I wanted them to sing. Let the fire burn. God, get the message into somebody's head, into somebody's heart that you were meant to come with your own fire. You were to, meant to build out of your own passion, build out of your own relationship with God. I can't see it in anybody else. I can see it in him. And he is there. It's hot. It's ready. I may never measure up to your expectations for me, but where there is Jesus, there will be a fire. And if we embrace him first, and we come with him first, and we show up with him first, when we live him during the week, and we show up with him on Sunday morning, we will experience the fire of Jesus Christ, and the fire of the Father, and the fire of the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna close with this this morning. This is a charcoal fire. <laughs> and as Peter gets closer, he will recognize this fire instantly. Do you know why? There, there's such significance to it being a charcoal fire. Why? Because it is the same fire, the same kind of substance where Peter denied him three times and Jesus will look him in the eye and he will say Peter do you really love me and can I say this that some of you have been avoiding this fire this altar like a plague because if you get close enough you will deal with your charcoal If you get, if you dare move from seat 32 to an altar experience, you can't come from there to here. You can't come from over there to here and not deal with your charcoal. If somebody else, if it's a wood fire, that's okay. That's not, that's not getting on your turf. But God brings us to the place where we have failed him the most. And he said, at some point in your life, no matter how much I love you, you've got to deal with the charcoal. You've got to deal with this fire. You've got to. Some of you had known this would be the word today. You would have turned over in your bed and went back to sleep. It is here that Jesus calls him Simon. And uh, 
It's on purpose. You know it. He doesn't call him Peter. Peter means like a rock. Solid. But Jesus calls him Simon three times. To Simon, it is an instant, just like the charcoal, he has to deal with it. It's it's an insult almost. Lord, he even speaks to him, Lord, you ask me? Why would you dare ask me if I love you? And you know, you probably know the story well, but, but Simon means like water. And it means that whatever Simon is poured into, that is the shape that he takes on. Whatever environment he's in, that's just what he becomes. Some of you are good on Sunday morning. You proudly carry the name Peter on Sunday morning. But when they're talking about your music pastor and they're talking about your student pastor and they're, and they're talking about your pastor and they're talking about this one and they're talking about that one, whatever environment you're in on Tuesday, that's what and who you become. Do we serve a God big enough to really change us? Do we serve a God that loves us enough and that we, can, that we are submitted and humble enough to him before that we can come before him even when he calls us Simon? He says, do you love me? That we can say, I got you, God. I get what you're saying to us, God. I get what you're saying to me, God. I, I just become whoever I'm with, whatever environment I'm in, that's, what I am. And it clicks and Simon says, Jesus, you know that I love you. Stand with me this morning. He called me Simon. That must have been a slip of the tongue. He called me Simon. Jesus is the one who called me Peter. Jesus just got mixed up. Jesus doesn't really mean what he says and says what he means. It's a slip of the tongue. Listen. If Jesus calls you water more than once, you probably need to pay attention. <laughs> because Peter's convinced himself that Jesus has made a mistake three times. You call me Simon three times. He's slipping a little bit. Losing it. That cross did a number on him. Can I say this to you with all the love in the world? All the love that I can have for the body of Christ. Jamie,
just for this moment, maybe just for this time, God's not defining you the way you define yourself. How do we handle those moments? How do we deal with this moment, those moments where God doesn't define us the way we've been defining ourselves and he calls us Simon instead of Peter? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed this morning. This is a charcoal fire before you in this altar today. God said, how can I ever expect you to make someone else burn until you're willing to burn yourself? How can you recognize the fire that's in them until you recognize the flame that's in Jesus? And if that's all we've got, we don't have much. But Jesus said, do you love me? And then he does the remarkable. Jesus turns right around and he says to Peter, he said, feed my sheep. What does that mean? It means another opportunity is coming. It means there's another victory ahead. It means that God still loves you and God still cares even when he calls you Simon. Something on the other side of this trial, this failure. And I'm just going to be blunt this morning, and if we can't deal with it, we won't. But if you're here this morning and God speaks to your heart and, and you would say, Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to be honest, man. I, I'm dealing with a failure in my life, and I need God to resurrect me. I need God to burn a fire inside me again after failure in my life. This is a charcoal fire. Will there be anyone in this house down lower up top today that will say, Pastor, I need to come. I need to stand in the glow of the fire and I need God to touch me. Anyone? There may not be one person to make their way, but if that's you today. If you love him, would you lift your hands just all over? Would you just tell him right now how much you love him? Because he's loving you right now. He said, hey, I love you, says the Father. I care. Even today, I am here to redeem you. I have bought you back. I have paid the price. Today, says the Father, I love you and I care. I have not left you and I will not forsake you, but even at your charcoal, your moment of fire, I am with you. See, <laughs> 
Can I have some men and women that will just wrap your arms around some of these that are here today that you will come unashamedly, unabashedly and, and just wrap your arms around them and pray with them? I need, I need men and women that will respond to his voice. I've got four ladies right over here. I need someone who... seen every fall. I've recorded every hurt. My arm is outstretched to receive you today, to love you back today. I will restore you, says the Lord. I will claim you again. I, I will call you by your given name. I am God and I care. Noah, place your hand on Stephen's shoulder right there. A couple of other guys. Dana. Yeah, Dana, come. Will you just pray? We don't have to have something, anything grandiose going on in the background. They can play and just sing. But just will you lift your hands and will you pray today? God, help me to examine myself. God, help me. In those moments when I'm with the church, when I'm with the other disciples, when I'm with others in the boat, but God, I, you're still working and you, you're trying to speak to me through all of this. He is holy. He is righteous. He shows up after Calvary. He shows up after your cross. Shows up after your challenges. He loves you. The altar is open. The charcoal is still here, God. If you're hurting today, you need healing. If you need healing in your body, there's an open spot right here. I need, I need prayer, Pastor. I need somebody to pray for me. I need God to touch me. Pray with them, Joe. Pastor, I'm tired of hurting. I'm, I'm tired of my body. And the pain that comes with it. I need God to heal me. I need God to touch me. Come rest on fire and wind. Come through it again. Open up the gates of heaven on it. Come rest on. Come rest on fire and wind. Two touching misery. God, we believe. We believe even now. Your work, your Come rest on. Come rest on. Come rest on. 
pray. Pray. Open up the gates that heaven on Come and rest on us. I pray for your touch, your power. I pray, God, for the reality of the word healing, the reality of what healing is, what it does, who you are as the healer. And I, I pray, God, today. Come and rest on us. Come and rest on us. Fire and wind, come and do it again. Open up the gates of heaven on end. Come and rest on us. Come and rest on us. Come and do it again. Open up the gates of heaven on end. Come and rest on us. Come and rest on us. Fire and wind. Open up the gates of heaven on end. Come and rest on us. Come and rest on us. Fire and wind, come and do it again. Open up the gates of heaven on end. Come and rest on us. Come and rest on. Peter as he testifies. I don't think this is an accident. 1 Peter 4 and 12. Beloved, do not be surprised. Listen to how he describes this. At the fiery trial that has come upon you. As though something strange were happening to you. You know what I hear Peter say? I hear him saying, I was there. 
<laughs> I've, been, I've been right through that fiery trial. Fire is significant to me. But rejoice that you share in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed at the revelation of his glory. There has always been a purpose in your fire. Always been a purpose. Always been a purpose. God will love you through it and carry you through it and he'll give you strength through it. He'll provide every need in your life. Do you love him today with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength? He's good. He cares. You know, if you've got a family member lost, someone that doesn't know Jesus, whoever they may be, just tell them, change sides. Hey, just change sides. It'll work for you. It'll work for you. Jeremy come this morning. Have you close us in prayer. If we've not met you, I'll be very honest with you and transparent. Kelly and I are still learning names. We're still trying to get them in, you know, locked in and we're learning. Sometimes though, if I say, hey pal, hey buddy, it's because I mean you're a pal or a buddy. It's not because I've forgotten your name. I do know who you are. When Kelly says, hey buddy, I know I'm in trouble. She has not forgotten my name. We love you today. God is good. Pray for us tonight. Kelly and I will be in Red Bay. We are uh, preaching, ministering there for uh, Dr. Rick Bradley, uh, Erica's dad that attends our church right here, Josh and Erica Smith. And so pray for us as we travel this evening and we minister there in the evening service that God will give us great favor. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we just love you and praise your name in this house, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to come in here and to worship together and lift up your name, Lord. God, I pray that we would go out of these four walls now and we would take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We would take the message out of these walls and share it with those that are around us, share it with those at school, share it with those at work, Lord. And God, I pray that you would just bless each one, God, and bring us back safely. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.